This is Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 9. Let's have a feast, Part 3. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16, King James Version. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Ree, and we're finishing up our discussion on the feast days. So we've already talked about six of them, and we're doing our last three. So I want to start with the Feast of Tabernacles, and then we'll talk about Purim, and then we'll talk about Hanukkah. So the Feast of Tabernacles was the final feast out of the seven that were given while the Israelites were in the wilderness. And these were the ones that were basically symbolic of them getting from Egypt back into the promised land, but also they were all prophetic and had to do with the coming of the Messiah, both the first coming and the second coming, and have to do with us getting our salvation and how we are saved from sin as a whole. So the Feast of Tabernacles concludes this series of feasts. And we know that seven is, you know, a holy number. There are lots of sevens, right? God created the world in seven days. He, um, there's like seven seals, there's seven trumpets, there's seven vials, there's the seventh day Sabbath, there's the seventh year um, cycles, and there's lots and lots of sevens in the Bible. And so this is the seventh feast. The Feast of Tabernacles was supposed to be observed on the 15th day of the seventh month. Again, more sevens. Um, And once again, it was a seven-day feast, like the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So it's very interesting. It's not that far behind the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement. Again, these three feasts have to do with end-time prophecy and have yet to be fulfilled. So it also makes sense that they come back to back to back because when these things happen, they're gonna come with a quickness. So the Feast of Tabernacles, um, from an, I guess, well, I guess I should tell you what it was first. I'm skipping way ahead of myself. So like I said, it was supposed to be observed on the 15th day of the seventh month and they were supposed to have seven days. And they were supposed to dwell in booths or tents for those seven days. And that sounds like when you hear it, I was just like, wait, what? So they're basically all supposed to go camping for seven days. That actually sounds really cool and really fun. Um, But it also is a reminder of what it was pointing back to. So when the Israelites left Egypt, before they could get into 
Israel, they were essentially camping in the wilderness. They lived in tents and they didn't have, you know, homes or anything like that. And so this feast represented that time that they were in the wilderness with God. And it's more than just the fact that they were living in tents, which is, of course, a little bit of a, uh, a burden. I mean, I don't really know how different their standards of living were in Egypt back then versus us today. But guys, I mean, living in a tent for seven days, I mean, you might be able to get with that. Most people, especially if you're from the city, I don't think you're going to make it more than like two or three days before you get really fed up. There's no air conditioning. There's no heat. There's <laughs> there's no electricity. There's no plumbing. That's a lot of uh, modern conveniences to go without. So it's definitely not an easy thing but that is what makes this feast so beautiful because it reminds people of their reliance on the lord when the israelites were in the wilderness they had to rely on god for everything including food if you remember he was bringing he was raining down manna for them to eat um he brought them quail there's just a lot of things that he brought to them and they were basically in a position that they were dwelling pretty much as close to with God as you could have gotten since the time of Adam and Eve because God was there leading them forward. He was appearing as a cloud of pillar, a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire, um, depending on whether it was day or night. And I think that that's really powerful because it's a reminder of this time that they were privileged to spend with God. And so how this looks forward is that um, most people think it represents the millennium. So after Judgment Day, after Christ comes back and um, basically everyone is dead, Satan is bound and there's this time, the millennium, where those who are saved are just reigning in absolute peace with Christ before the final judgment of Satan and his legions. And so um, many people think that the Feast of Tabernacles symbolizes this time and that, um, you know, it's again, it's a time to be dwelling with God and, um, you know, just a time of peace, a time where God is providing everything. Personally, I also think that, um, you know, I've been thinking about what the end times will look like and i do think just like the israelites fled egypt and they were in the wilderness and god was providing everything for them there will be a time of um tribulation that happens in the end time the final end time and um you know god's followers will be persecuted it says that those who take the mark or those who don't take the mark will not be able to buy or sell if you can't buy or sell how do you have a house of how do you have a roof over your head because you can't pay rent you can't pay a mortgage you can't pay taxes even if you own your your um, place you can't pay your utility bills you can't go to the grocery store and buy food there's a lot of things that you would not be able to do for yourself so for me um you know it also seems like it could be fulfilled in this time period where god's people 
are holding out until he comes back to to hand that final victory and he will be providing for us whether he's providing mana whether he's providing something different i don't know what's gonna happen but um it seems like it could be entangled in that as well um it's very interesting to me that um one other thing that is kind of involved with this feast is this idea that Christ may actually have been born during this time. A lot of people believe that Christ was born during the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, I'm not really sure the full details of that story. I plan to do a little bit more research into that. And of course, I'll post it into the show notes for those who want to do more research as well. maybe post some links from where I've seen this and, you know, just a little jump off point for those who want to travel down that path as well. But that could really be an interesting thing that um, that may have been his actual birthday. Um, Also, another interesting thing about this feast is if you go into the Old Testament and you find the book of Zechariah um, and look in chapter 14, it is a prophecy about the end times and it's talking about when christ comes back it's talking about when god is lord over the whole world and the final battle and all of these things and after this final battle it talks about how everybody comes to celebrate the feast of tabernacles it doesn't mention any of the other seven feasts but it's very distinct and very specific that everybody will still be celebrating the feast of tabernacles so um this is pretty interesting to me um i think that will definitely be a fun thing to see how that plays out well maybe not fun it'll be fun in hindsight um but i just think it's very interesting and i think that i guess what makes it fun or interesting more interesting to me is the fact that it is singled out in the book of zechariah to be held in the kingdom to come. So that is the Feast of Tabernacles, and that is the end of the feasts that God gave in the wilderness. So now we're moving on to these other two feasts that were not given at that time, but are still mentioned at some point um, in the Bible or are just very, very familiar within our culture. So the next feast that I want to talk about is Purim or Purim. I'm Like I said, guys, I don't know how to, I don't really know how to pronounce this. So the Feast of Purim is mentioned in the Book of Esther. For those who are a little rusty on the Book of Esther, um, basically the Jews have been taken into captivity and they're in Persia. Don't mind that noise in the background. That is bubbles. Um, But yeah, so they are in Persia and the king has just banished his wife. So he looks for a new wife and ends up marrying Esther, who is a Jewish woman. So after he has married Esther, this tension or rivalry, whatever you want to call it, has developed between the king's right-hand man and um, Esther's uncle. And, you know, a lot of things happen. There's a little bit of pride mixed in, yada, 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 things happen, and the king's right-hand man issues a decree such that all of the Jews will end up dead. So 
Esther is basically the only person who can do something about this because she's the only person who has access to the king to come up with something that can protect the Jews. So the Jews have like a three-day fast. I think it's three days that they go into fasting and then Esther approaches the king to try to get some sort of mercy and some sort of leniency for her people. And when she talks to the king, what ends up happening is he issues a decree that the Jews are allowed to defend themselves. Basically, he can't change the law, the previous decree. It's it's written in stone. But he makes a provision so that they can defend themselves. And it turns out that all of their enemies instead are killed instead of them. And this is basically a divine um, appointment. It is God interceding on their behalf once again and saving them from being wiped out. And so in the aftermath of this, they came up with the Feast of Purim to commemorate this event and to remember that God saved them from this disastrous affair. So interestingly, this feast actually just passed. Um, this year, it was from the evening of March 9th to the evening of March 10th. Um, the Bible defines a day from evening to evening. So unlike our midnight to midnight calendars, um, the days actually kind of overlap two of the Western world's days. So from the evening of the 9th into the 10th, so the final feast we're going to talk about is that of Hanukkah. Um, Hanukkah is probably the most famous Jewish feast in the Western hemisphere, the Western culture. Um, I think that has a lot to do with the timing of Hanukkah. It comes very close to Christmas, um, the pagan holiday that the West loves so much. We'll talk about that later. Um, but I think that it happening in that same time sphere kind of propels it into the forefront so most people are very familiar with Hanukkah even when I was a kid I was familiar with Hanukkah um, of the feasts that we've talked about over these couple of episodes this is probably the only one that I would have been able to actually articulate and tell you what it was for I have never even read the biblical rendition of Hanukkah and I would be able to tell you oh it's about you know they the oil lasted for eight days and blah 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 which is crazy because I could not have told you about you know the feast of tabernacles the feast of trumpets the unleavened bread all of these other things that are actually um, commanded by God during this wilderness period interestingly the feast of Hanukkah is not specifically detailed in the Protestant Bible. So it's actually given in the Apocrypha in 1st and 2nd Maccabees. So unless you have the Apocrypha, you won't be able to read um, the details of how Hanukkah came about, but it is mentioned in the Bible. So it is mentioned in John chapter 10, verses 22 and 23. It's interesting, um, because it, if you're not well-versed in what we've been talking about already, this would go straight past you. You would, you would just be like, oh, you know, Christ went and celebrated some feast, blah, 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 blah. It wouldn't dawn on you that this is Hanukkah because it's called the Feast of Dedication. So um, that particular verse says, and it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of Dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. 
there are no winter feasts. We just talked about Purim. It happens in March. That's in the spring. There are spring feasts. There are fall feasts. There were no winter feasts. The only winter feast is Hanukkah. So this verse is telling us that Christ was in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of Dedication or Hanukkah. So we have evidence that Christ also celebrated Hanukkah, um, which also gives us uh, some credence towards the book of Maccabees. Um, I'm still working on going through the Apocrypha myself. Um, I think whether you... um, whether you follow the apoc whether you uh mentally include the apocrypha as canon or not you know i think that's definitely something that you should pray on but i definitely think that people should read it just to read it to make that decision and to let the holy spirit move to tell them whether it should or should not be um, included in their their scriptures but definitely the feast of hanukkah is discussed in the protestant bible in the new testament um and we see christ celebrating that feast and of course as most people are aware it's an eight-day feast it's about um you know the fact that the you know they had oil it wasn't supposed to last but it did last for the eight days and that's why they have the menorah with the eight candles and they light a candle each day so that is the final feast that i wanted to talk about Basically, I wanted to take this time to talk about the feasts and the holidays that God gave us specifically. I think that we as a people spend a lot of time celebrating pagan holidays and holidays that the world has come up with. But God gave us perfectly good holidays that have some of the same elements that we enjoy. Coming together with family, coming together with friends, feasting, celebrating um commemorating what god has done for us reflecting on what he's done for us being thankful for what god has done for us um and i think that it's important that we remember these holidays above those holidays because these actually have spiritual significance for who god is what he's done and what he's going to do And so I really wanted to bring that to people's attention. I know some of you are already aware of that, but I know for me, I was well in my years, well into my journey before I was aware that these feasts even existed or that they had any sort of meaning to me as um, a believer in Christ. And so I just wanted to focus on that for a minute. We will probably go back and talk about some of these pagan holidays at some point. I already did. Um, an episode on Easter. I will probably do one on Christmas at some point um, just to kind of, I guess, drive this point home. But more than anything, I just want people to be aware of how special these holidays are. So that is all I have for today. Next week, we will be on to a new topic. And um, in the meantime, I will post links and information in the show notes for those who want to dig a little deeper and find more information or see where I got some of this information from or look for the Bible verses that uh, coincide with these particular feasts. In the meantime, don't forget to like, subscribe, follow me on Instagram, leave a message, whatever makes you happy, and I will see you guys next week. Goodbye.